right, brother. You got it. Very cool. Well, I'm going to move up closer, mm -hmm. uh, if that's okay, so I can see my notes. And, uh, man, what a, what a great joy. We should probably keep Russell in the picture, but, no. <laughs> but I'm uh, gonna go to sleep. by the way, I think it's important to note he didn't stay here last night. He was at home. Uh, yeah. He just drove over here. He braved the roads today <laughs> to be able to bring this to you. And so, yeah. so glad uh, that you're here. Um, I just want to share with you some things that have been on my heart uh, in, and in talking with Russell and Kinsey and just some things that uh, we're hoping and pray that will be a blessing to you uh, as a church family. Um, and uh, the, the reality is we are truly better together. We are more than the sum of our parts when it comes to a church family. Uh, I have the opportunity to work with uh, churches across the state. I've coached planters in Vancouver and Canada and other countries across uh, America as well. And one of the things that I want to encourage you with today is that when you start a church, you're declaring war. Yeah. You're declaring war in the heavenlies. Uh, and we know today statistically that it's true um, uh, that uh, people uh, people are receiving Christ in new church plants. It, that's the highest place the most uh, people are receiving Christ in new church starts. And so what happens is we're taking the fight to Satan when we start churches. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to sit idly by uh, and just let that happen. And so, uh, you know, Russell and Kinsey, their family, they're going to they're gonna feel attacked. Uh, many of you, because here's the thing, God calls a church together through people, and, and people are the church, not a building, not a facility, people. And so those of you that are, are serving and loving alongside them, you're going to feel that at times as well. And so uh, I want to encourage you not to be weary in well-doing, uh, to be able to, uh, to fight through, uh, to uh, stay faithful, um, and, and when you're not weary in well-doing, fruit will come in its season. And so I just want to encourage you with that as we, we dig through this. Uh, but one of the things that I found, even when I planted and I start new campuses as well, that feel very much like church plants. In fact, our Justin facility or our Justin campus uh, I helped start is still portable. Uh, they were meeting in a school and then once COVID hit, now they're meeting in a wedding chapel. Um, uh, very similar to what y'all are doing. And, um, and, and, and I helped start that off with very few people. And so I've, I've seen that happen. But you know what? stay at it, be with it. And as we've done that, we've learned that truly being connected in a relational level beyond just a Sunday morning is super, super important. And so today we're going to kind of talk about that, um, about friendships that go beyond just the surface level. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got kids, Jackson, like I said earlier, is 15, Ava is uh, almost 13 and Belle is nine. And my little one, it never ceases uh, to amaze me. She'll come home after every new beginning of the school, and she's like, man, I have a new best friend. I'm like, what's their name? And she's like, I don't know. They were just nice to me, right? Um, and, and so it's easy to make that connection as a kid, but as we get older, it gets a little bit more difficult, right? We have, we've, people have agendas. We've been hurt before, um, so it makes us uh, suspect why people are being nice or kind. Maybe they want something from me. And that's part of growing up is mm -hmm. we do get a little jaded when it comes to relationships. Um, but the reality is we need, we need um, deep connected relationships, not just surface level one. Um, and, and so many people today because of COVID feel alone. In fact, we have found that depression is hugely on the rise. In fact, we had our small group the other night, and one of the ladies is a, um, uh, a doctor uh, that does uh, psych psychiatric things, and uh, she also oversees several different 
uh, hospitals for mental health and young people, the, the, the people going to uh, mental health clinics has skyrocketed since COVID. I mean, just sky, it's very noticeable the difference and it is because of that. And so a lot of us feel isolated, we feel alone. And, and I want you to know that if you feel that, you're, you're not weird. The majority of people today feel that. In fact, uh, many people don't realize this, but in Great Britain, they've actually created a governmental position called the minister, because they call like, you know, governor, they call people of roles minister, the minister of loneliness. It's an actual role that they created because they were seeing that their people, the public health, was being affected by being alone. And, you know, I think like Russell was, was praying earlier, you know, technology, social media can be a good thing, but also can be a devastating thing. And that we feel like we're connected, but we're really not on a real level that would actually make an impact in our life. And so that's one of the reasons it's so, so important to do that. Um, there was also Susan uh, Pinker, you can check this out, it's a TED Talk that she did, Russell, that um, where she, they did a study over people over time and checked on their health. And so ultimately it was a health study, but what they found out, <coughs> excuse me, is that it was a social study. Let me grab a water real quick. <clears throat> And what they found out is that social isolation, this is her quote. Now, this is pre-COVID, so it may have shifted now. But social isolation is the public health risk of our time, is what she said. Uh, and because what they found out is they studied people, the number two, the top two factors for someone having a longer life was social interaction and having relationships. Those are the top two things. And so for us to have a longer life, but also a healthier life, we have to have deeper connected relationships. And the problem is <clears throat> many times people and, and even people who claim to be Christians, they don't find that in the church. They have other places where they, they get that or they don't get it at all. And so I wanna really encourage you today that we are created to, to have deep connected relationships. So do me a favor, uh, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John. So if you're new to the Bible, if you go kind of to the middle, that's where the between the Old Testament and New Testament, New Testament starts with Matthew, then it goes Mark, Luke, and then goes to John. And John's an interesting book of the Bible, uh, and particularly in the gospel setting, because it is not one of what they call the synoptic gospels. It's different. It, it kind of, John goes out on his own trail, so to speak, whereas the other three gospels kind of follow the same storyline and timeline, whereas John kind of mixes that up for, for different reasons. And, uh, and so I, I love the gospel of John. It's my favorite book of the Bible. Um, and every book of the Bible is written for a purpose. And so if you read in later chapters of John, uh, it says these things are written that you might believe. And so it's written that you might be able to come to know Jesus. And, and so um, it's just a, it's a gospel impactful book. And so we're going to read uh, from John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. And we're going to read through 23. Uh, and then we're going to kind of talk through that a little bit. All right. And uh, this is Jesus. Uh, he says, my prayer is not for them to be alone. He doesn't want you alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And so it's kind of interesting. It's talking about uh, the longevity of the message of Christ. The gospel didn't start with you and it should not end with you either. Mm -hmm. And so God has given you something to pay forward. And so it's very, very important to realize that um, God has done something in your life, not just for you, but so that you can make an impact in someone else's life. And he goes on to say that all of them may be one. And, and he's talking about that unity, that connectedness. 
Connectedness happens when we are are deeply or <laughs> deeply. That's a new word. That's great. Yeah. When we're deeper connected <laughs> than just surface level, like yeah, yeah, I've got this thing going on or what. But you really open yourself to uh, fellowship, um, to be able to have uh, communion with one another. That's a different level. It's one. Um, and so, Father, just as as you are in me and I am in you, and that's the connectedness of the Trinity. Um, Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so Jesus wants us deeply connected to himself. He wants it to be where we don't try to keep things from him. We don't run from him even when we make mistakes because you will and I will and we all will. Uh, but we don't need to run uh, from him. We need to run to him. I look at this a lot like a dad. One of the things I've always taught, uh, and particularly my son, because he's getting to the age where he's going to start driving and things, um, <clears throat> is that uh, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be honest. One of the great fears I have for my children is that they'll make a bad choice, because kids will, um, but then they will try to deal with it on their own. And that's a scary, lonely thing that I don't want for them. And, and I know that Russell doesn't want that for your family and for you. And so when you're struggling, don't lean away, lean into the gospel, lean into your church family, because you were created to have deep, meaningful connection. All right. And so just as they are one, uh, that you, the world may believe. And so we want to be in with them and with each other. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. One of the greatest testimonies you can have is that people know you're connected to your church. I'm not saying that you're some super howdy-ho Christian, you know, that uh, holy roller. I'm not saying any of that. Like, I'm a normal person. Our church our church is built on normal people. And, and, and so we're not saying that, but that there's a true, genuine connection there where pe you, they can tell people genuinely love you, you genuinely love them, and that you help each other. It's not a place of judgment. Because most people today view church as a place of judgment. By the way, outside the hotel here, there's a truck doing wheelies in the parking lot, which is fun. Uh, is a diesel clearly because of the smoke, but sorry, uh, get distracted squirrel. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, but anyway, so God wants us connected. Um, in verse 22 he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. God has given us the ability and, and the need to be connected. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. That unity, it doesn't happen by, by chance. You know how the Bible says that a man and a wife become one. Well, think about that for a second. Uh, if you're married, you can relate to this. If you don't communicate with your spouse uh, what's going on in your life, or if you don't show up for three weeks home, there may be a problem, especially if you haven't communicated about that, right? Um, that, that won't be one. You, you may be joined uh, through a bond of some way, but your relationship will not be all that God wants it to be. And so, man, I, for me, if I like to eat. I love food. Um, I don't want to leave meat on that bone. When I'm eating wings, man, I just, I suck that every bit of meat off because you don't want to, it's precious. And so here's the thing, in the Christian life, yeah, you can have a mediocre Christian life, but why? When you could have more and be more fulfilled and, and have greater impact and, and, and have greater peace, why would you want partial? And so what God's telling us is that he wants us to be one. He wants us to have the greatest relationship we have. Now, that doesn't mean that it's perfect. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect because you know what? You're going to make mistakes. It's not a call to be perfect. It's a call to strive to do better. 
I use this example a lot. I'm a baseball fan. My son pitches, uh, and he, he made our, our team uh, at the high school this year as a freshman, which is exciting for him. And But one of the things that always struck me as, as weird for football, and I'm a little bit of a – or baseball is I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And so um, – but in baseball, it's about the average. Uh, and so I'm a Ranger fan, which is a miserable existence uh, since Nolan Ryan left and J.D. got control of the ballpark, R.J.D., uh, sorry if you like JD, but uh, uh, Josh Hamilton, uh, back when he was in his prime uh, with the Rangers, and he won the American League Most Valuable Player. He was the most valuable player in the entire American League. And you, do you know? Do you know what he batted? Three fifty-two that year. Three fifty-two. Now, what's interesting? You're like, man, if you're a baseball person, you know that's great. But if you're not a baseball person, you think three fifty-two. If you bat a thousand, one point zero zero zero. That's perfect. That means he failed two out of three times, and yet he was the most valuable player in baseball. Now, if Josh had gotten frustrated after striking out the first two times in the season and just started to quit or, or not show up for his at-bat, it would have got worse. But he realized what game he was playing. He realized he wasn't going to have to be perfect. He was going to have to strive. And mm -hmm. through that, you're able to have fulfillment. You're able to succeed. You're able to have victory is when you strive. Not that you're perfect, but that you're striving. And so here's the thing. When, you, when it comes to being connected in a church family, God has that for you. He has it for a reason. He has it to fulfill you. He has it to help you. And it's not about being perfect. It's about striving towards that thing. And in that, you will find victory. Um, because we know what game we're playing. We're playing in life. And so he's caught them to, he's called us to be in complete unity. And then the world will know that you, that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. And here's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. And this is a pretty strong statement. If you want people to know your Jesus, you have to be connected in your church. Now I have heard, and I've seen in the statistics and things for this area, that a lot of people don't believe that you have to be connected in a church to be connected to God because God is everywhere. And I get that. But there's a very specific verse in Hebrews that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves to get together. It is a direct command that we should connect together on average, right? Remember, it's like baseball. It's not going to be perfect. I'm going to miss church when we do vacation. You know, there's times I'm sick. There's, so it's not about perfection, but it's about that striving that I want to connect because those relationships matter. They help me. They help others. But they also bring people to Jesus. And that's important. And so we're created to be in deep, connected relationship. Now, if you couldn't say that today, I don't feel like I'm in deep, connected relationship, especially spiritually. You're not weird. Uh, you're not alone. It is very much the normal. Uh, in fact, Barna did a study just recently where um, they checked people's mental health uh, year to year. And with COVID hitting, they checked from 2019 uh, to 2020 and, and, and to now. And what they found out is every category went down in the way they perceive their mental health. It's worse than it was the year before, except for one group, one category alone. And that's people that consistently, weekly attend church. Even the people that attend every once in a while, their mental health went down, according to the study. Ones that go every once in a while, it went down. And so sometimes I think we throw God a bone and say, oh, we'll do this, we'll make us feel better. But if the reality is just throwing God isn't going to do it because you're half in. And so the reality is the only people group that their mental health got better this year was through being weakly connected in relationship. 
and so one of the questions I want to ask you today is, do you have a 2 a.m. friend? A 2 a.m. friend. And that's the friend that at 2 a.m. everything goes bad, everything goes wrong. Who are you going to call? Who can you call? And if you don't have that person who's going to love you through that, God wants that for you. In 2 Corinthians, flip over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It says, we have spoken freely to you. And he's speaking to the church in Corinth, which the church in Corinth was a lot of fun. Uh, I've heard preachers make fun of the church in Corinth, but the reality is they didn't know this stuff. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't have the Bible like we do. So they didn't know any of these things. So like Paul in the first Corinthians is like, hey, don't have sex in, an, in, in the church to worship God. Because what happened is they were pagans before that, and they would go to the temples, and, and, the, and the temple priestesses were basically hookers. And they would, they would engage in sex as a form of worship to that false god. And so when they got saved, they're like, I'm going to worship Jesus. Hey, let's get down. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. And so I've heard preachers and people and Christians bash the church at Corinth. They just didn't know. That's where they were coming from. And so Paul was giving them instruction. And so here's the same church in 2 Corinthians. Paul's writing another letter to them to give them instruction to help them have the fullness of what God had for them. And that's really what we're talking about today is having... Every bit, the meat, every bit of meat on that bone. And he says, we've spoken freely, so I've not held anything back. It's, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not trying to be quiet to save your feelings. I'm trying to help you. Corinthians, and open wide our hearts. So he's opened his heart to him. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. And so what happened is they were not engaging in the same way. They were not opening themselves up to being taught, to being to being able to grow. They weren't opening themselves up to being able to share and communicate. They were isolating themselves. And so many of us are isolated today. Uh, we have relationships, but they're surface level. If we really had a problem, we don't know who we would call. We're isolated. We're isolated. But Paul says, as a fair exchange, I speak as to you, my children, open wide your hearts also. I want to encourage you to open relationship with your church family. It's a fair exchange. It's right. It's just. It's the way God designed it. And you'll find more fulfillment whenever you open your hearts to relationship. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You can't have all God has for you without others being part of your story. You can't have all God has for you without others being part of your story. So a lot of people actually end up in what we call the danger zone. They don't know. And so there's times that uh, you're, you're walking into a situation and you don't realize how dangerous it is until you get, you get blasted in the situation, right? And so a lot of times there are people who are Christians uh, or church people that are walking into danger zones they don't even realize. And, and there's, a couple of, um, there's a couple of things within that. So, you know, the danger zone. Like, that's a great song from the movie Top Gun, right? Like, I, I love that movie. In fact, they're, they're going to, Russell, did you know they're going to release yeah. another one here in a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if that's appropriate to say in a church Facebook thing, but I'm just telling you, it's Top pretty Gun. cool. So, yeah. you know, what, what is one of y'all's favorite 80s or 90s movies? I always like to ask that and, and, and see, because there may be something I haven't seen yet, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, mine's Footloose, personally, because, like... <laughs> You're such a dork. I am. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, like, right? <laughs> He, it cracks me up because Kevin Bacon was like so distraught and so upset 
that he just had to go to this warehouse, drink a beer, and dance. <laughs> like, I, I've never been that frustrated. We've all been I just there, had, man. You, We've you've been all there? been there. I've never been there. I just tell you, I've been frustrated, but I've never been like, I just gotta dance. Like, it just, it just cracks me up. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, let us know what your favorite 80s, 90s movie is. But, but the reality is, uh, there's a danger zone we don't realize we're walking into. And, and here's a couple of those things that can help you tell if you're in the danger zone. If you spend more time at your church sitting in rows in the service, all right, than talking with your friends, you're in a danger zone. Now, that, that talking with your friends doesn't have to be on Sunday. In fact, it's better if it's on a Monday, it's on a Tuesday, because when people come, guests come to your church service, you want to be able to serve them well. But you have such a connection that you know you're both on the mission together. You know you can call each other on Monday. You can call each other on Tuesday. You can call each other on Wednesday, even at 2 a.m. because of the connection that you have. So if you spend more time sitting in straight lines in the service than you do connecting with your friends outside of the service, you are in a danger zone and you don't even know it. Uh, the second thing is when you start keeping secrets from your church friends. When you start keeping secrets from your church friends, you're in a danger zone. You see, the Bible, we're only as sick as our secrets. And what happens a lot of times is when we start keeping those things quiet from our friends, we're not truly connected. We're not being real. We're not in communion. And we're doing it for different reasons. We know we're doing it. And yet when we start to do that, we're actually in, going down a path that's going to ultimately hurt. God has more for you than that. That's a danger zone. Now, a lot of times what I hear is like, oh, I don't really know how to bond with people, right? We've been hurt. People have... Uh, use things against us that we've said. I mean, that's ha that's happened to me as a pastor. When I was transparent, trying to help people understand we're real people, people will use that kind of stuff against you. So one of the things that we have to answer is how do we actually bond with other people? H how can we do that? And so I want to give you a couple of uh, good ideas to help you bond with the people in your church. Um, first, we've got to challenge our own distorted thinking. See, God has told us clearly, and I think we've laid out a pretty good argument that God has told us we're supposed to connect it deeply if we're going to have what God wants for us. I think that's biblical. I think it's very clear. But I think sometimes in our practical way we live, we have a distorted thing. And so we've got to challenge that. Here's the, one of the first things I've noticed in our culture. Men don't need friends. It's weakness. Right? I, I, I've, I've heard that a lot. And I want to tell you that's baloney. It's absolutely baloney. Uh, now, I get it. Like, you're not going to go into the hot tub you know, at home or the bubble bath and call it Frank and, hey, Frank, what are you feeling? You know, like, you're not going to probably do that. And, yeah, I get that. But you know what? You might go on a dude trip. You may go hang out and watch a Floyd Mayweather fight and have dude time to connect and get real. That's a good thing. It's not a sign of weakness for you to need friends. In fact, God told us he created us for relationship. We're created for community. And so the reality is, like, saying that is, is just basically like saying, well, I don't need air. That's a weakness. No, it's the way you were designed. You have to have air because of the way God designed you. It's not weakness. It's living fully in the way that you were created. And so that, that's an important thing. Uh, for, uh, another thing that I hear a lot that we got to challenge is I'm an introvert. Here's the thing. Introvert, being an introvert doesn't mean you don't need people. It just means you don't get your energy from people. That's what it means. It means you, you get energy by being alone, but it doesn't mean that you don't need other people. You were created. No matter your personality, no matter all those things, you were created for other people. It may look different for you. Like you may not want to go out to a huge party. You may have fewer friends, uh, and, and but that's okay. But you still need people, and you need people in the church. 
And so being an introvert is not a thing to say you don't need relationships. It just means that you'll, you'll approach it differently, but you still need it. And, and the other thing we have to challenge is we got to realize that not every relationship will hurt. I know that a lot of times people have felt hurt in church, um, whether it was the church's fault, whether it was our own fault. We've all felt that hurt. And so that's something. But here's the thing. Not every relationship is going to hurt. So I'm, I'm a foodie, like I said. And, and you know what? I've, I've gone to some restaurants and had a bad meal. But it ain't going to stop me from going to other restaurants because I know that it's still out there. And so, you know what, knowing that we've been hurt, the second thing we need to do beyond challenge your own distorted thinking is be willing to take a risk. You've got to be willing to take a risk. Um, uh, I love the phrase, risk it for the biscuit. I heard it recently. And I love that phrase because when I was growing up, like biscuits and gravy with sausage gravy, oh man, it was my thing. Be gravy was like a beverage for me. I was like, hey, I'll have a side of gravy to drink with that. Like, I love it. Risk it for the biscuit. And uh, some things are just worth the risk. Like I said just a second ago, I'm a foodie, and I'm on a, a several Facebook foodie groups. And so one of the one common thing we see a lot is, uh, hey, this restaurant is a little out of the way, but it's worth the trip. It risk it, risk the time because it's worth it. And here's the thing: relationships are worth the risk because they will change your life for the better if you allow it. It's worth the risk. It's worth the drive. It's worth the hassle. It's worth changing some things that I'm comfortable with right now to have better things in my life mm -hmm. that help me find more fulfillment. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's the other thing with the risk. Don't let your past hurts hold future relationships hostage. Just because you had past hurts does not mean your future ones uh, won't be better. And if you allow that to happen, sometimes you miss out. Don't let them hold it hostage. You've been hurt. I've been hurt. But don't let that hold hostage future relationships, all right? And here's the reality. It's our behaviors, not our intent, right? It's our behaviors that make us more isolated or more connected. So in talking through this today, I think biblically, there's no way we can really read Scripture in the context of, of Scripture with the church and say, hey, we shouldn't be together. That's just not there, right? But the reality is it's not about mentally knowing. It's about what we actually do. It's not about what I know. It's about what I show. And so do I take those steps? Do I inconvenience myself sometimes? Do I risk it? Do I um, do some things that may not be convenient? And I get it. We're, we're, we're in a world of convenience. We have DoorDash. We have Grubhub. We have Favor. They'll go up and pick up medicine from the store for you. You know that? I had people pick up some NyQuil from Walgreens for me once and deliver it to my door. It was amazing. It was so convenient. But here's the reality. There are some things that can't be handled with convenience. There are some things that are just worth the effort. And, uh, and so, and I, I would honestly say probably the best things in life take effort. They take some level of discipline and, and they take stepping out of our comfort zone. And I'm telling you, relationships are absolutely worth it. And our behaviors will help us become more connected or more isolated. Now, to be able to bond with other people, we've got to be vulnerable. And that's scary. And I'm not advocating that you're just vulnerable to anybody because the reality is not everyone has your best interest at hand. Absolutely not. And it would be foolish to think so. And so here's the thing. My fear is sometimes people who are Christians, they will open themselves up to someone they shouldn't. And it's foolish. And then they use that as an excuse not to connect back with everything God has for them. And so here's the reality. You have to be vulnerable, though. 
And so a lot of times we flinch at vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've all been in a social setting where someone overshares and it gets awkward. <laughs> like, uh, and we don't want to be that person. <laughs> and if you don't know that person, you are that person, just so you know. Uh, uh, and so I get it, but we do have to be able to, to build vulnerability into the relationships that matter and the relationships that can help us. And if we don't have that, you're leaving meat on the bone. And so a couple ways to become vulnerable is you got to understand that you, uh, the first thing, there's four things I'm going to share with you. you you got to realize you are worthy of a relationship. You're worthy of a relationship. Some people don't try to build relationships with others because they don't feel like they deserve a relationship. They don't deserve, they don't feel like uh, they're, they're valuable enough for a relationship. And here's the reality. Jesus died for you. You were valuable enough for him to die for you because he loves you. Because he wants a relationship with you. And he wants other believers who know him to have a relationship with you also. You are valuable enough to be able to have a relationship. God wants that for you. And he wants it with you. And so you got to realize that. Some people are beating themselves up today and they think, well, nobody really. And you know what? You are valuable. Uh, the other thing you need to realize is you're, you're hurting yourself already by isolating not just biblically, we can see it with statistics, we can see it with mental health reviews that are happening right now through COVID. Um, we can see it with suicide rates, with people being locked down, isolated, they've skyrocketed. And so the reality is if you are not in deep connected relationships with other people in your church family, you're already hurting yourself. And so what's the, what's the risk of being vulnerable then, right? You're hurting yourself already. And so uh, you just got to know that Here's the other thing. You will find healing by being vulnerable. You won't find healing when you're not vulnerable. The things you're struggling with, the things that beset you, the things that you hate that happen in your life that you don't want to happen anymore, when you try to do it on your own, it doesn't happen. For instance, uh, I, uh, I put on a lot of weight over the last five years. Uh, I've had stressors in my life. We built a house. We did all these other things. And I like to eat. And so I like to eat when I'm looking for comfort, when I'm stressed. And you know what? I tried a little bit ago to lose some weight. I would lose a little bit and then it'd come back. But now I have a friend. Uh, his name's Ryan. And so we're accountability partners with our eating and our exercise. And uh, as of today, uh, so through a month, I'm down uh, a little over 16, almost 17 pounds now. And we're, it's a lifestyle now because mm -hmm. I have someone helping me with accountability. And you know what? My health is not good if I'm overweight or I'm not doing it, eating the way that I should and the things I should. But that accountability helps me find healing from the things that beset me. And so by becoming vulnerable with other people, you find healing. And so, so many people want to find healing and find uh, freedom from what, what, what's causing them to be in bondage. But you can't do that by being alone and isolated. And then here's the other thing. You will help others find healing when you're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God has allowed your story to look the way that it is so that you can help other people. Sometimes God has allowed your story to not be everything you wish it would be so that you could help other people. And without your story looking like that, you would not have the opportunity to speak into their life. But if you're not in relationship, you can't anyways. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't end with you. You see, a lot of people don't realize Jesus says, I'm the living water. Here's the thing. Spirituality and, and living with Christ is about being like a river, not a pond. 
You mm -hmm. see, on a pond, everything flows into the pond, but what happens to a pond? It gets scummy. Mm -hmm. It gets nasty because that water just sitting there. Whereas a river, the, the water stays clean because it flows. And, it, it, and there's power in that. And here's the reality. If we think it's just about me, we'll get scummy. Mm -hmm. But when we realize it's about we, then there's power in that and that we're helping other people. But you gotta be vulnerable to be able to do that. And that's an important part of being connected and not isolated. I just wanna share one last story and we'll wrap up today. And this is when God really showed me this and the most real example I can share with you. So my oldest son, Jackson, my only son, he's 15 years old and uh, he's healthy. He's super skinny and he can't run, he's very slow, but, but he's very healthy. And, uh, but when he was two, he was diagnosed with cancer, childhood cancer. Um, it was a uh, rhabdomyosarcoma, it's a soft tissue cancer. Um, I'd never heard of it, but apparently at that time, I don't know if this is still true, that was the most common form of childhood cancer. And so we went through a year battle for his life. We had radiations and chemos and all those kinds of things. And um, we would have to go to St. Louis from Springfield, Missouri. So this is how the geography works. It was three and a half hours away because we lived in a smaller market and they didn't have pediatric oncology at the time. And so for him to get the treatment he needed, we had to travel to St. Louis from Springfield three and a half hours away. And so we would go uh, every three weeks for either a three-day or a six-day stay for him to get chemos. And then we would have to wait until his white blood counts got back high enough to go home. And because if his counts are low, he's susceptible to disease, illness, all these things that could kill him. And so sometimes that would, they would bounce back real quick. Sometimes they wouldn't. And so there was one year that we were there, um, and it was around Christmas time. And so we got there the week uh, leading up to Christmas, he did his chemos and we were waiting, they would check his, his white blood counts. And you know what, uh, two days before Christmas, uh, they weren't, they weren't high enough. Couldn't go home. And we're like, Oh, great. So Christmas Eve comes, they're like, Hey, here's what we'll do. We'll check it in the morning. Um, and if it doesn't work out, we have to wait so long based on protocol and then check it again. And then we, you know, hopefully, but if not, you're going to have to stay during Christmas. And we're like, Everything we've been dealing with, the fighting for his life, um, we hadn't even really bought presents, you know, just because we were so busy and the finances from like kid having cancer and all that. And it wasn't like it was going to be that great of a Christmas, but we would just be home, you know? There's just something about being in your own bed, especially when you're going through a hard time. And so they checked it Christmas Eve morning and uh, it wasn't high enough. So we're like, oh, great. Oh, great. And so we waited and waited and waited and it was getting dark and they finally checked again and it was just barely high enough. And so we grabbed everything, threw it in the car and I pulled the car around and luckily we had four wheel drive because around that time it had started to snow and the roads were a lot like they are today. And, but we have a three and a half hour drive, but we were going to go, like we were going to go. And so we drove all the way home. We got home right around midnight, right about Christmas morning kickoff. And, uh, we'd put a tree up, but we had no presents, nothing wrapped. But when we walked into the house, uh, there were all these presents under the tree wrapped for our family. In our small group, uh, we had shared with them. We didn't blast everything on social media necessarily or anything, but they knew where we were at. We were vulnerable with them. And through that, they were able to bless us. We didn't ask them to do that. Mm -hmm. We never had any expectation of them doing that. But by being vulnerable, we were blessed in a way I will never forget mm -hmm. and appreciate and value those relationships. 
I'm telling you, God has called you for deep, meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, you're missing out. Yeah, there's a lot of other things in the world. There's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things to get our attention and busy. And there's a lot of other priorities. But I'm just telling you, there's something about when we're in that sweet spot. Jesus reveals himself. And so that's my prayer for you mm-hmm. as a church family. It's my prayer to see y'all connect even more as one, but not just for the sake of connecting as one, so that others will see Jesus in your church family. And you'll be able to see more people come to know his hope and truth and love because of y'all's vulnerability together. Mm-hmm. Let me pray for y'all. Then the follower, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to share your word, your truth. I hope that, um, God, if, if people have been feeling that nudge from your spirit, that they would connect, that they would jump over whatever hurdle, they would uh, make whatever accommodation, mm-hmm. that they would do whatever it is they need to do to follow you and have your fullness in their life. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I pray for Russell and Kinsey and their family and that you continue to lead well through them that you protect them, that you keep them connected to you, Lord. And God, I pray for their team. I pray for their church, that you also help them be a part and see the bigger vision. Planting a church is hard. It's declaring war. Mm -hmm. It's a battle, but it's so worth it because people need you, Jesus. And their church is going to reach people other churches aren't. Their church is going to reach people other churches can't. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing makes a difference but they'll be able to do it even more effectively together. So I pray unity over their church. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.